family? Friends in Fort Worth, El Paso, Houston, Northwest Arkansas, Phoenix, wherever you're listening in from, we are continuing this mood series tonight. Anyone ever been in a relationship with someone where you feel like they're not trying as hard as you are? Hopefully, hopefully it's not the person you're here with tonight. But I recently had this, and I'm not even talking like necessarily in a dating relationship, I'm talking about a friendship. A, uh, a friend of mine, man, you guys have some stuff to vent. <laughs> we gotta... A friend of mine recently, not long ago, moved up and took a, uh, a position of a pastor in Fort Worth, and uh, my best friend in the world was the best man at my wedding, really close, and um, have just, you know, college roommates, spent so many times, so much time together, and ever since he's moved up there, it's like just been that we've, we've missed, haven't been able to connect, and, and I have felt at times like, dude, I feel like I'm trying harder in this thing than you are. What is the deal? Like, recently there was a concert that I'd gotten tickets for him and his wife, join me and my wife, let's go to it, and kind of at the last minute he had to bail, and then like the series of phone tag just continued to take place, and there was a, a shower that we threw and hosted for a mutual friend of ours, and they couldn't come to that either. And it just felt like one thing after the next. And at some point last week, I just kind of had this breaking point where I, I call, left him a message. He basically was like, hey, dude, I, I, feel like, I feel like there's something going on, or you're not trying as hard in this relationship right now. What's the deal? And then the next couple of days go by and don't really hear anything. And then at some point got a phone call, couldn't uh, call him back. And it's kind of the end of the week by this point. And, uh, and I'm thinking like, man, I, I am starting to feel all kinds of just frustration. Like, what is the deal, bro? I feel like, I thought we were boys and we have not been able to hang and I feel like, it's, what is the deal? And um, Father's Day rolls around and uh, little did I know that our wives were totally unaware of this and they had planned kind of a special day of like, oh no, here's what we're gonna do to celebrate. We're gonna let them, we'll take the kids and we'll let them go hang out and go to the batting cages, go to Top Golf, go do all this stuff. So my Father's Day surprise was, hey, Conflict resolution, and, uh, <laughs> and so get a chance to go and hang out with him. But really what had happened in that situation was some hurt had festered inside of my life, and it began to turn into an anger or resentment, and I'll come back to that story here in a second. And it began to create this kind of like, honestly, as I was told, he's coming over to do batting cages. Part of me was going, I don't even know that I want to go do top golf and batting cages right now. That doesn't sound like fun. Sounds like we need to work through some stuff before we do that. And it began to create this wall that started with a hurt, that turned into anger, that began to turn into resentment. And I start with that story tonight, and I'll pick up that story and finish it here in a second, because we're continuing this mood series, and we are covering the topic of anger, covering the emotion of anger. Oftentimes, anger starts with hurt, and it turns into that, but like few emotions that you're gonna have in life, the power of anger to impact your relationships is tremendous. It is the ability to destroy relationships. It is the reason why some of you don't talk to your parents. Some of you don't talk to old friends from high school. Some of you switched best friends in high school or college like nine different times because anger or hurt turned into anger and then turned into resentment. And so we're gonna cover what God's word says about this topic. Now, just to loop everybody in, in case you're like, dude, we're talking about anger. This feels so not relevant to me. Is this just relevant to the guy who goes home, he's angry, he punches holes in the wall, the Hulk, basically, the rage man? No. Anger is one of those emotions that, uh, I mean, it can lead us at times to have explosions, but there's others of us in the room that we don't act out in aggression, you act out in passive aggression. 
And you act out and not explosions, but this implosion on the inside. Some of the most angry people on the face are like, everything's fine, this is great. I hate them, I hate all of them. That's how some of you express your anger. And it's just this internal dialogue. Uh, we showed the, the feelings wheel this first week, particularly for the guys, by the way, this is not in your Bible. This is totally just a helpful tool. Take it or leave it. But you'll see inside of that, of the idea of anger, it's connected to all kinds of these different sub-emotions that can be connected to. In other words, you can be angry. It can look like, man, I'm humiliated right now. You can be angry and just feel like I was really disrespected in that moment. It can lead you to be critical of others. It can lead to jealousy. It can lead to all these types of different emotions. So we're gonna cover what God's word says about anger. And in case you're wondering, does this really apply to me? Here's some scenarios where it's a likelihood or good chance that you are angry. Is there anyone inside of your life that you would just be a little bit happy if things weren't going great in their life? Like if they failed or they didn't get the promotion or they didn't get that new car or their boyfriend broke up with them, you would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> you probably have some hurt that has turned into an anger or resentment in the life. Is there anyone in your life that their name, they're like Voldemort. It is the name that shall not be named. You bring it up and it's like, I cannot, I don't even want to talk about this person right now. I thought you knew that we're not good, okay? You probably have some anger or hurt that's turned into resentment. Is there anyone you would avoid in public because of something happened, something that happened between you? Is there anyone that you're waiting to let back into your life to have a relationship and you won't let them back in until they apologize? There's probably some hurt that has turned into anger and is impacting your life. Do you often battle lots of thoughts in your mind going on? where you just find yourself trapped in like, what are they thinking about me? I'm prone to negatively interpreting what they're thinking. There could be some anger that's turned into resentment in your life. Are you prone to keep all of your feelings to yourself? There could be some anger and resentment that's taking place there. All of them may be reflections that there's anger going on below the surface. And so the last thing I would say is unlike very few emotions, this one will hurt your relationships now will impact your future marriage that you're gonna have, your ability to resolve and work through resentment and hurt and anger and prevent it from becoming bitterness and really impact the rest of the trajectory of your life, your, your work environment, your overall relational uh, satisfaction, ability to keep relationships with friends. So we're gonna look at what the Bible says as it looks to the source of our anger, some of the side effects that the Bible says, hey, if you allow anger to be a part of your life in any way, these are the things that are gonna take place. And then the solution that God really clearly lays out in the New Testament as it relates to dealing with our anger. So the first, let's cover, it comes from Matthew, Mark, chapter seven, verse 21. Jesus says this. For it is within and out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Jesus says, okay, it's the evil thoughts that you have, the evil thoughts that lead to actions, those don't flow from external circumstances, those flow from your heart. What type of evil thoughts or actions? Sexual morality, theft, murder, what do you mean murder is a thought? Yeah, anger can lead you to a place where you begin to think of like, man, I just wish they were not in my life to the point of murder. Adultery, greed, malice, which is just a word for being mean towards someone. Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, which is just talking bad about somebody. Arrogance and folly. And folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. The first idea that really I want to camp out and talk about for a little bit, and this is so huge, is the source of the sinful anger in your life comes from your heart, particularly two places, from the fact that every single one of us has a sinful heart, the Bible says. And then the other place that it comes from is just hurts that get lodged 
But when I say sinful anger, let me explain what I mean, why I even have that included in there. If you take notes, the first idea is that source of your sinful anger is your heart. When I say this, let me qualify by saying the Bible does not say anger is a sin. It says anger is an emotion that was given to us like every emotion by God, and it is possible to be angry and not sin. God was angry. It's, uh, there is such a thing as righteous anger. But for the purpose of really the next 25 minutes, I'm gonna focus in on sinful anger because I've never met somebody who's like, I feel like the biggest problem in my world is too much righteous anger. That's leading me to do all kinds of godly things. That just isn't usually the types of conversations that I get into. So we're gonna focus on sinful anger. And that sinful anger, you can trace the source, the Bible says, all the way directly to your heart. That if you just focus on your external behavior, you're not addressing the root of the problem. What do I mean by these sinful areas of the heart is sinful and it can lead to anger expressing itself? Sometimes it looks like selfishness. The reason why if you have road rage, you're angry, is because there's something in your heart and there's a selfishness that, hey, get out of my way. I wanna get where I wanna get on time and I just get so angry about it. There's a selfishness, there's a sinful aspect of your heart that leads you to anger. Another way that it can flesh itself out is entitlement. Some of you are angry at God because you feel entitled to being further along in your job, in a different city altogether, in a married relationship, in any relationship, and you have this anger because it results or it's coming from a sinful entitlement that you have. Envy can lead us to anger. We look around in comparison and feel like, man, everyone else has the things that I should have and I'm angry about it. I'm angry at them, I'm angry at God. Stress and the need for approval from others can be a huge trigger for anger. That is the biggest trigger in my life for anger is I can feel overwhelmed and stressed about things that at the source or root of that, I'm really just like worried about what other people are thinking about me. How successful or how impressive that I am in life. And if I can't accomplish those things, it can lead to anger because there's a sinful part of my heart. And I'm gonna tell you why that's so important. But the second area is not just the fact that all of us come into this room with a broken heart that when sin entered the world, it entered the human heart. And you can trace back all the anger and sinful expressions of it to the heart. But you can also trace it to the fact that along the journey of life, there will be people that hurt us and do things to us, and inside of that hurt, it can get lodged if it's not dealt with in a healthy way. That hurt from somebody betraying us, somebody lying to us, somebody uh, doing something that just hurts us, it can get lodged into our heart. And it becomes something where it turns eventually into anger, turns into resentment, and we begin to hold it against those people. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root, or the root of bitterness, grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. The Bible says that the uh, that root, or the bitterness, bitterness can be like a root inside of your life. It's such a genius analogy, because what's a root? It's something that's below the surface that even though you can't see it on the outside, it's impacting what's above the surface. And the Bible says that if you allow it, if you allow hurts from other people in your life and you don't handle them God's way, we'll talk about that, that it becomes like this root, that it grows. And even though not everyone can see exactly what's underneath, it's impacting what's above and on the surface and it leads us to lash out to respond in anger, to wall off and shut other people out of our life. The two areas that really the source of the anger inside of your life or resentment or bitterness or any of those different things comes from the heart just being sinful and from hurt and harboring hurt inside of your heart. And undealt with hurt grows. Anger is a signal that there is something there that should be addressed. Uh, there's two types, let me explain it kind of this way. Um, there's two types of people as it relates to a very specific thing, and that is something called the check engine light in your car. 
When I get in my wife's car, or my wife's car not long ago, I got into it, and in the car, um, we were driving along, and all of a sudden, the check engine light was on, and I was like, the check engine light is on. Do you know that? Have you known that? And she was like, oh, yeah, it's been on for a while. <laughs> some of you in the room are kind of like my wife, where you're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It basically is like I'm low on gas. I'll fix it at some point. I'm sure everything's fine. And then there's others of us who are like, the check engine light is on. The car could totally shut down. Like, you may have an oil tank. It could total the car. Do you know that? Do you guys know that? That's just for free. And uh, either way, whatever perspective you have on that, here's what we all agree on. The check engine light is a signal that there's something below the surface or beneath the hood that needs to be addressed. That's why it's on. Human emotions, we've said, and anger in particular, is a signal to you and to me. Every time you feel a human emotion, if you get nothing else out of this entire series, it should be this. Hopefully a lot more, but at least this. Every time you feel something, an anger, for example, should be a signal to you there's something going on inside of my heart that I need to address. That you need to learn the art of whenever you're feeling something, like why, beginning to wonder and ask, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? What is going on? What is the check engine light, which is this emotion telling me? And why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? Learning the skill, if you will, of monitoring your heart. What do I mean by monitoring your heart? Here's like what society will help us do. Everyone in this room has been raised to monitor their behavior. Like from very early on, you were taught, hey, monitor your behavior if you want to be successful in life at all. At, at elementary school, it's like, hey, if you're good, you get to put the green sticker on. If you're bad, you don't. If you move on to middle school and you get demerits, if you don't behave, you're going to get in trouble. Everyone's taught to monitor the behavior. In fact, as a society, we have really collectively said, you're going to learn to monitor your behavior or we're going to monitor it for you. And that thing is called prison. Because in prison, you no longer get to choose your behavior anymore. And so if you can't learn to monitor your behavior, we're going to put you in prison. And so many of us, most of us, we kind of learn not to just follow every instinct that we have and to kind of check and monitor our behavior. But rarely do people learn to monitor your heart, to stop and say, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? When I was uh, waiting for my friend at, you know, that top golf, I was sitting there beginning to dress and beginning to go, man, why am I feeling like this right now? What is going on inside of my heart that makes me feel this way? I feel like I'm trying harder than he is, and maybe it's because I've placed unrealistic expectations on him. He's got a ton going on. He's got little kids. Is there something that I have done to place unrealistic expectations? And I think that also I've associated quickness and response time to intimacy in a relationship or closeness in a relationship. Like what is going on beneath the surface? Anytime you feel anger, frustration, resentment, that should be a signal to you. There's something going on there. Some of you, there are men and women, you don't like women or you are resentful towards women or you look down on women. You should go, what is that inside of me? There are women in the room and you're angry and bitter towards men and that resentment should signal to you, what is going on in my heart? When you get angry at your boss, when you get angry in a dating scenario, when any emotion comes on a scene, learning the heart of it, going, what is going on inside of my heart? What would God's word say about this emotion? What are the lies that I'm beginning to believe? What are the things in general I'm believing? And addressing those by monitoring your heart. If you get nothing else, the skill of going, hey, every time you feel something, that should be a signal to you. There's something going on underneath the hood or underneath and in the heart that needs to be addressed and aligned with God's word, involving community. If you have a community group, which hopefully you do, involving them, if you're at a place where like, I don't know exactly what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling what I'm feeling right now. Because if you fail to address at a heart level what you're feeling, you're failing to address the root of what you're feeling. 
and the root will lead you to why you're feeling it. So the first thing you've got to know if you're going to have any victory inside of this and really emotions in general is that the source of sinful anger comes from the heart. The second thing comes from uh, Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus further talks on this topic and he says this. Starting in verse 21. You've heard it said, it's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, that he's teaching uh, basically Jesus' first sermon ever and he launches into several topics, one of them being angry. You've heard it said long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry, or your translation may say angry in the heart, with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus says, hey, everyone thinks it's the standard. As long as you don't murder somebody, you're good. And I've come and I'm telling you that the standard is not murder. The standard is you being angry. If you hold on to anger in your heart, you are just as liable and subject to judgment as the person who's murdered. And then he says this. Therefore, verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, that there's something between you two, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift at the altar. So Jesus says, hey, look, if you are sitting in church and you're sitting there and you're raising your hands and you're like, this is how I fight my battles or there's another in the fire and you hits you, oh man, I've got some beef with him, with her. I'm holding something against a Christian brother or sister that you should put your hands down, you should walk out, you should call them, you should attempt to address the scenario or attempt to be reconciled to them. Think about how crazy that is. The God who's there says, hey, you can't be okay here vertically unless you are okay horizontally. And I want you, like, think about this, to prioritize your horizontal relationships before me. In other words, you can't be right and you can't have this being the priority of your life if you are not okay with other brothers and Christians, uh, other brothers and sisters who are Christians. So I want you to go and first be reconciled to them because any time that you allow anger to sit inside of your heart, it creates a wall in your relationships, creates damage in your relationships to one another, and God says it walls you off from him. First address them before you come and deal with me. The second point, if you take notes that we're just talking about, is the side effect of sinful anger is harmed relationships. Harmed relationships. Every time that anger sits and it's not dealt with in the right way, it turns into bitterness and it always puts a barrier up. It always hurts the relationships. Maybe for you this looks like with a parent. Like we've all experienced this in so many different ways. We, could, we just talk for hours about examples and illustrations. Where we get hurt and it turns to anger and we begin to put barriers and we begin to kind of keep them at a distance because I'm gonna give, begin to wall that up. Maybe it was with a parent. And you have a dad who walked out and divorced your mom. Or you have a mom who walked out and left your family. And that created a hurt and it's turned to an anger. And you kind of begin to keep them at a distance. Maybe you have a resentment or an anger towards a parent. Maybe you're like, dude, my dad, he never came to my sports games all throughout growing up. And that hurt has turned into an anger and a resentment. Maybe you have just parents and you're like, dude, Nothing was ever good enough for them. Everything that I did, they had these unrealistic expectations. It was exhausting and it hurt and I'm angry about it. And you don't even realize it. None of this happens consciously, consciously where we're like, and now I'm choosing to be angry about it. It just sits there and it begins to place a barrier relationally between the two of us. Maybe it's with a, a boss at work and you just feel disrespected all the time. You just feel like, man, I'm, I'm hurt by that and now I'm angry and now... I, I don't even want to work for this person. I'm looking at LinkedIn all the time. When I go to a job, that's what I do. 
they've disrespected you. Maybe they dismissed your idea in front of everyone. Maybe they gave the promotion to the guy who's only been there for six months. You're like, I've been here for three years. Are you serious? And it's created a hurt that's led to an anger and it's created a barrier and a distance. Anytime that hurt is undealt with or is not dealt with in God's way, it creates, it hurt, turns into an anger, turns into a bitterness, and that bitterness begins to build a wall. It's like this. Anytime that there is a giant blanket on the stage and a platform, okay, watch out. It's like in our relationships, every time that somebody hurts us, we begin to build a wall. And it's a wall that separates us from them. So some of you guys have like friendships, and I mean, you've like switched around with friends so many different times because as it relates to them being your friend, they've just hurt you and, and you didn't even realize it. And each time they hurt you, you begin, you didn't address it. You didn't talk about it. You didn't bring it to them. You didn't extend forgiveness. You were like, I'm just gonna hold on to that. This is just the type of person you are. So I can't believe that you didn't invite me on that vacation with all of my friends and it doesn't even fit in there and I'm angry about it. And you got to go and you're like, oh, I, I didn't know that you liked the beach. Who doesn't like the beach? Are you serious? And you went without me? And you deserted me. And then I found out that, you know, I wasn't even included in your wedding party and you're getting engaged. So you got engaged. You're going to get married. And I'm not just not a bridesmaid. I'm not even in the house party. You serious? Not the house party? That's like the B-level bridesmaids. I didn't even make that. If you're not from Texas and you're listening in, house party, it's like the B-level bridesmaids. Still got to buy a dress, but it's kind of like we're close, but not that close. I'm not even in that, and you begin to build the bricks, and you're like, I can't believe you don't even follow me on Instagram. This is ridiculous. You don't even know that I'm dating someone now because you don't follow me on Instagram, and I am just upset, and I begin to put these bricks in place, and one by one, I just decide, hey, I'm not going to have any relationship. And then I heard that you talked bad about me that one time, and I'm getting out of breath. <laughs> bricks up. Golly. It is heavy to carry bitterness around, and bitterness, I act like that was planned, and just one by one by one. The fact that you didn't text me back, I texted you about having dinner plans this past weekend, and I know that you saw it because I saw the little dots pop up, and I know <laughs> it was there. And you know, the last time that we hung out, I paid for your meal, and you didn't Venmo me. And it was, <laughs> it was only eight bucks, but it's the principle of the thing. And my birthday came up. You didn't even wish me happy birthday. And all of a sudden, whew, <laughs> I start jogging. One by one, that bitterness is like bitter bricks and it creates a wall. And the sad and crazy thing is that on the other side of that wall is not just your friend or not just your parent or not just a coworker. God says, you can put me over there too. Because the intimacy that you're gonna have with me is gonna always be hindered until you get right with them. This is what I mean by like some of us, we just have friends that, We've gotten so good at building up walls and hey, if you do me wrong, like I'm done with you. And so we just move on and we don't talk to them for another six months. We don't talk to them for another couple years and then all of a sudden that roommate that I was so close with, man, they kind of betrayed me. I'm upset about that dating thing that happened. And now we just don't talk anymore. Because one by one, and the, the crazy thing about this is like these get easier to put up every single time. All of a sudden, you're like, man, of course you don't call me back. You don't even think about it. This is just kind of who you are. And even more dangerous, some of us have friends, and they will help us build the wall. They will help us be like, yes, they don't ever call you back. That's just the type of person that they are. Put another one on there. And it is tragic. And Satan loves that we build the wall. 
He loves that we cut people off. His whole goal is to divide you, to separate you, to see the church divided. And it doesn't happen, and these walls don't get built overnight. It's just one by one by one. We begin to put them up and put them in place. But there is a solution. The Bible says to deal with the hurt that turns into this resentment that just builds this wall. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice or evil intent. Be kind and compassionate to one another. So Paul just said, hey, get rid of all anger, all bitterness, all brawling, if brawling's your thing, get rid of all of that and replace it with being kind and compassionate. That sounds so easy, Paul. Really? Just be nice, that's your solution? No, he says how you can do that. Forgiving one another. Just as Christ, in Christ, God has forgiven you. The remedy for all of the anger, all of the things that you hold on to, all the bitterness that marks your life, all the resentment that's beneath the surface, there is one remedy that the Bible says, and that is through forgiveness. Making the decision, hey, I'm gonna choose to forgive this person. What is forgiveness? So the third idea is the solution for the sinful anger in your life, for the broken relationships in your life, for the times that somebody did you wrong in your life, is forgiveness. Making the decision, I'm gonna choose to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven me. I'm making the decision to forgive. So what is forgiveness? Well, let's talk about what it isn't. Forgiveness is not excusing someone's sin. Hey, you cheated on me and that was okay. Hey, you lied to me and that was okay, we're just gonna excuse that. That's not what God does at all and excuse someone's sin and say it's not that serious. It was so serious it put Jesus on the cross. So it's not excusing it and saying, hey, it's not that big of a deal. It's not forgetting. Sometimes people will say, hey, forgive and forget. You don't forgive and forget. In order to forgive, you cannot forget because it's choosing. I know the offense that was created and I'm choosing to forgive. And I'm gonna tell you what forgiveness is here in a second. But the two other things that it's not, it's not denying hurt or angry. If you've been hurt or sinned against, you shouldn't deny it. God gets angry over sin. Forgiveness is not conditional, and it doesn't require the person asking for it or to own their part or even be present. Forgiveness is releasing the demand for justice to God. Forgiveness is deciding I am releasing the demand for justice over how I was wronged, how I was hurt, what was done to me. I'm gonna trust God with that. I am choosing to forgive. Every sin that's ever, been, ever taken place will either be paid for has been paid for on the cross by Jesus or by the person for all of eternity. So if they're a believer and they've trusted in Christ, I am choosing to release any need for justice or vengeance to God. Ultimately, that's in his hands and he'll account for it. And I'm choosing to let go of the debt. What does forgiveness look like practically? So if that's what it is, how do you do forgiveness practically? So the first thing is this. The scripture says to overlook an offense if you can. It says in Proverbs uh, chapter 19, verse 11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So the Proverbs say, hey, it is a glorious thing if somebody you know, uh, does something that offends you and you're able to be like, hey, I believe the best, it's okay, I'm sure they didn't mean it. If you can overlook it, it's a glorious thing, the scripture says. How do I know if I can overlook it? Can you overlook it? 
if you find yourself replaying the tape or rehearsing the conversation and thinking about that moment again, and I can't believe that they did that, and uh, really reinvesting or rethinking through this scenario again, there's probably a good likelihood you cannot overlook it. If you replay the tape one time, two times, three times, you should move towards reconciling with that person. So the first thing is, if you can't overlook it, overlook it. If you can't, the Bible says that you and I are to move quickly. So how do you resolve or how do you extend forgiveness and deal with anger, deal with the bitter bricks that are in your life? The first thing is whenever one of those bricks popped up and I'm tempted to put it on there, I'm gonna move quickly to deal with it and extend forgiveness to that person. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In Ephesians 4, we just read the verse. Does that mean literally, don't let the sun go down before your anger? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's just saying, hey, move quickly. Here's why I think, I, probably not, because if you lived in Alaska during the summer, you would have the entire summer to not deal with any anger. You'd be like, the sun never goes down. It, it can't be literal if it's saying, hey, it has to, if the sun goes down, then people in Alaska are like, yep, I got till September, and then I'll deal with this. He's just saying, hey, move quickly. Keep short accounts. If there's something that happened, if you got hurt by something, move quickly. Don't try to put it away or dismiss it if you can't. And most of us, honestly, we are peace fakers. We're not peacemakers. And so when somebody hurts us, you need to move in the direction of, hey, this hurt me when you did that. So move quickly, keeping short accounts. If everyone in this room just did this, it would change the world. Because how many people sit on something, and I've been thinking about this for six months. The second thing is that when you go and you discuss and say, hey, this hurt me, or you bring up the, the hurt that took place, the anger that you're holding on to, you need to own your part. The Bible says in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says before you do anything to address the sin in someone else's life, you need to first own your part, own everything that you can about the situation. Some of you, maybe the, the thing that most you need to own is you've been holding on to being hurt or being sinned against for years. And you need to go tonight, tomorrow, quickly and say, hey, will you forgive me? I, you hurt me like six months ago and I've been holding on to that and it's impacted the way that I see you, the way that I think about you, honestly, the way that I talk about you. My likelihood to do 10 things if you're around because honestly, it just hurt me. And you need to ask for forgiveness for holding on to that if they're a believer. Because the Bible says you are to move quickly. Do not give the devil a foothold in your life. And by waiting and prolonging, you are giving him a foothold. So go, move quickly, own your part. And then when you go to them, Go and focus on two things in particular. So when you're talking to like, hey, this is, this is what happened and this is when you hurt me, focus on two very specific things, very, very specific things. When you go to them, you don't focus on their motive and hey, you always do this type of thing. You focus on two things. The very specific action that they did. You did not call me back. And then the specific emotion it created in you. And when you did that, it made me feel like you don't care about me. I'm gonna focus not on like, hey, you're just, you're a bad apple. This is what the type of person that you are. Don't focus on, don't say statements like you always or you are, but focus on when you did X. It made me feel X. Whenever you did not invite me on that trip with all of our roommates, it made me feel like you don't care about me. It made me feel alone address the very specific behavior that they had. Don't attack their motive, don't attack their character. Just attack or focus on the very specific behavior that they had and then what it made you feel inside of you. Finally, the fourth component or fifth component of what it looks like to forgive someone is to extend grace over and over and over. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, or he's asked the question by Peter, how many times should I forgive someone? Up to seven times? 
if they've sinned against me. And Jesus says 70 times 7. Some of your translations, because there's a footnote on it, that the Greek is unclear whether he's saying 77 times or 70 times 7 times 7. As in like on and on and on. That there is no end. There's no limit that God puts on it. Because you're to forgive like God in Christ forgives you. And he doesn't have some limit of, all right, you just reached 77. I guess that's it. We're done. That over and over, that as believers, you are called to forgive. You are commanded. And God says, if you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. Think about that. That as painful as the hurt is, as long as you've carried it, as deep as the scars run, that there's a God who's there who says, I want you to work towards healing. And as long as you carry anger around, you're going to build up walls in every direction. And eventually, you're going to wall yourself off, and the wall comes over here, the wall comes over here, the wall comes around, and you make a prison for yourself. And the way that you tear down the wall is one brick at a time. Hey, you forgot to invite me. I'm forgiving you. You didn't show up, and you weren't a part of my sports games. And I'm forgiving you. I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. And I'm choosing to make the decision. I'm not going to carry this. How long are you going to carry? Like, for real, how long are you going to be angry at what happened when you grew up? How long are you going to hold it against your friend from high school? How long are you going to hold it against your sibling? How long are you not going to call your parents back? I want you to answer that. Like, some of you, you need to tonight. You've got some business. The God who's there says you need to leave here right now. Leave your gift at the altar. And you need to go be reconciled with the people in your life. You're carrying around the hurts. And the only way you're going to break down those barriers, and the God who's there hates that there's barriers. The scripture says that he came in Ephesians chapter 2 to tear down the dividing wall of hostility between people. Satan loves the barriers. He wants you to think right now, you're the victim, you were harmed, you can't do anything about it, you should be angry. He wants you to hold on to that. And when you do, it makes every relationship you have, it's a lot easier. I'm just going to put these bricks back on. That's just who I'm going to be. So they own it and they deserve it. I'm done with those people. And there's a freedom that God offers and the freedom comes through choosing. I'm going to forgive even though they didn't earn it, even though they don't deserve it. I'm choosing that I'm not gonna let this define my life. If, you are gonna, if you're in a dating relationship, this is so huge, we're about to land the plane. Before you get married, you've got to deal with this stuff because if you are holding on to bitterness right now, you're gonna get into marriage and you are gonna over and over and over again be deeply hurt by someone who you deeply love and you have got to be able to forgive someone. Billy Graham said that what makes a great marriage is two great forgivers. It is so true because it is one wound after the next and choosing to forgive. I want this so badly for you. This is a huge part of my story. Anger, I entered Regent about a year ago because anger is something that has marked my life, that I struggle with anger. And that can not always, doesn't always look like outbursts and freaking out, but it looks like there's just an anger inside of me. And at some point, I just said to my community, I think I need to go to region. I think I need to address this. And it was by beginning to go, what is at the source and at the heart of why I'm angry? How is this anger impacting my life? And what is the solution to take in the steps? And the solution is the same for me as it is for you. You've got to forgive. Some of you have parents like me that I had to forgive. Some of you have siblings, you have relationships, you have an old dating relationship. How long are you going to carry that stuff? And the way that you can be free and tear down the wall is by choosing. I'm not going to let that define me anymore. I'm choosing to forgive. And that's the only way. And we can't see the walls in your life, but if we could, some of you guys are walled off in every direction. Ultimately, the call on your life is to choose to forgive like God forgave you. How did God forgive you? If you're a Christian, every single time that you've ever sinned, there was a brick, as it were, put between you and God himself. 
that every sin that you had created a division, created something that was unbridgeable for you, that every time that you've ever, every look at pornography, every time you've ever gotten wasted, every hit that you've ever taken, every time that you've lied to somebody, everything that you've ever misrepresented or slandered somebody or talked bad about somebody, every time that you've ever missed the mark of perfection or failed to do all that God calls you to, it was like a brick got put in the way of a relationship with God. And Jesus came in, and the scripture tells us that he decided, I'm going to choose to pour over the dividing wall, and everything is going to break down. And Jesus stepped in and gave us the perfect example of there is a path. And he took all of that forgiveness, and he didn't just push it over. He took it on himself to give the perfect example. Whatever harms have been done against you, they pale in comparison to what you have done against God, what I have done against God. And scripture says, holding on to this bitterness is going to hurt you. One person said that forgiveness and choosing to forgive is like unlocking a cage and unlocking a prisoner and discovering the prisoner was you. How long are you gonna be a prisoner? And the God who's there is calling you. If you want to experience freedom, it is possible. But there is only one way. By choosing, I'm releasing the demand for justice to God. He paid for it, or that person's gonna pay for it for all of eternity, and that's a far worse thing to experience than anything they could have ever done for me, eternity in hell. And I'm choosing to forgive, or you can carry it, and you can build the walls in your life. And the more you build, the more you're gonna build, and the more people you're gonna shut off, including God himself. And the reason he's gonna feel distant at times is because he's saying there's distance in your relationships. And you're gonna feel distant with me as long as you're there. Let me pray. Father, thank you that the dividing wall of hostility you tore down with the cross. That you took every sin we've ever committed, every decision that we've ever made to worship ourselves, to pursue idols, to pursue worldly fleeting things, the approval of other people around us, and a million other ways that we have sinned against a perfect holy God, that you took all of those things and you forgive us, you paid for them all. I pray for tonight, specifically for men and women, for friends in the room who have never forgiven, and even as I talk, they know I need to work, I need to forgive that person. I'm holding them at a distance and I've never really worked through this. And on the surface, nobody can really tell and I try to be nice, but I'm holding it against them. That right now, where you are or wherever they are, that you would meet them there and they would make the decision, I'm not gonna hold on to this anger anymore. I'm releasing it to you. I'm entrusting it to you, the God who paid for everything I've ever done, everything that's ever been done against me, and I want freedom. That they would have that. I pray that you would break up every couple in this room who wants to move forward without dealing with the anger, the bitterness, the resentment from their past, maybe even from their present that they wouldn't take those things in and bring a marriage of people that are just constantly filled with bitterness and resentment towards one another. Would you fill our hearts with love and compassion towards one another and rid of all anger and malice and all of the things that don't honor you and do so by allowing us to forgive one another as you and Christ have forgiven us. We worship you now in song, amen.